Hey everybody, Mike Dyer from the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Be sure to check out all our high school coverage on our weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Coming up later, I'm going to have a conversation with Princeton boys basketball coach Brian Wyatt, who was recently named the Vikings coach in the biggest offseason coaching news so far. But first, the big headline of the week was the cancellation of the Ohio High School Athletic Association spring sports season due to the coronavirus outbreak. I wanted to get straight to the point and look ahead to the summer and the fall. So I'd like to welcome in OHSA Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass. Jerry, I know you're very busy every day. It's its own unique challenges and experiences, but I appreciate uh, you taking a few minutes. And how are you doing this week? Well, thank you for asking, you know, and you talk about the busyness and I'm sure somebody probably says, what could you be busy about? There are no sports. And I think that's the key to dealing with all of the unknown is that we're dealing with planning so many scenarios, none of which we know will come to fruition. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it's settled down a little bit since uh, the cancellation of the spring sports and the governor's orders and, um, you know, as a result of that, you know, it's, it's settling a little bit, but now there are tough decisions to be made and, and especially, you know, the challenges of going forward, but it's emotional. I'm not going to kid you. Uh, before we kind of talk about uh, going forward in the summer and all the, all the things revolved around that, obviously I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall with the Monday's uh, announcement uh, and, and the governor DeWine obviously made it official that the schools would remain closed. Remote learning would continue. And then, uh, um, the OHSA sent a memo out. Uh, you sent a memo out personally to member schools, uh, Correct. Uh, officially closing spring sports. But just uh, um, we went through all this uh, through the winter sports season uh, in terms of uh, the end of March and the tournaments and everything like that. But you just have a final thought on just uh, how difficult it was just to, to grasp that reality finally that spring sports. Yeah. Season. And, you know, even for the winter sports to to think reality wise that I'm going to reach out to every one of those kids. No, but I'm sure trying. You know, I think about that kid, you know, I've heard so many stories and every time I hear something, whether it's on social media or, or something, I've reached, tried to reach out back to some of them, you know, that, and, and it's been very rewarding uh, to hear their side. Not that I didn't understand it anyhow, but at the same time to have a dialogue and uh, um, it's emotional. I mean, I, yeah, I've said it a million times growing up as a coach, you know, as a player, you know, ultimate goal is high school sports and playing in the state tournament. I mean, I know what it means to say all of a sudden we can't, you know, I, I know the emotional toll and, and not that anybody should feel sorry because they don't, they shouldn't, but boy, it's taken its emotional toll on me too. But same with the spring, you know, the reality, probably the door was closing more and more each day. And uh, I think I just heard there were 33 states, I think now that have canceled their spring sports and certainly many more to follow. A couple I've heard are uh, already canceling or, or altering fall school uh, days. So, you know, it's real. And uh, I feel for the kids. I really do. What is the biggest challenge going forward? You know, I, I think the biggest challenge is I relate it to coaching so often. You know, Carl Kramer, I guarantee a good basketball coach, wants to be in control of every part of that game. He wants to be in control of his offense and his players. I'm a coach, and I think that's incumbent for good leaders. But I'm not in control. I'm not in control of what the regulations are going to be in phase one, phase two. And nor should I be right now. I mean, nor is the governor released them, and nor should he. It's just that's been the biggest challenge is dealing with that and trying to look ahead in a crystal ball and 
did we think of this? What about this? Did we think of that? Uh, so we're not blindsided when anything comes out. And I think that's one of the reasons why in our communication with schools, we've tried to do it methodically and not just put out, well, we're thinking about this. What if, you know, we're trying to be methodical and say, when we know this, we will release this. I think you mentioned the word uncertainty multiple times in your memo to the, to the schools on Monday and just being honest and, and forthcoming with that. But, uh, um, what is the next step? What, what is uh, your office what are, or the board of directors? What, what are some of the discussions as we kind of get into summer and people just want to know, hey, can, can conditioning and training begin and can the 10 days happen between June and July for fall sports? Yeah, and that's something we have been thinking about, um, you know, for quite some time. Mike, actually, when you and I spoke on a Saturday uh, a little over three weeks ago, it's hard to believe that much time has passed and all that's transpired in that time. But when we spoke on that Saturday, I mentioned that we started looking at fall sports. Well, now, the bad part is instantly people took that as they're canceling fall sports. You know, I mean, that's exactly what came to me. No, not at all. But that's why we have been looking at all these different things, summer regulations, uh, fall, um, and we've ramped them up a little bit because we want to be prepared. And that's something I clued our board in on today. Uh, is the um, what we're looking at everything from fall eligibility, which which we already have had a plan, but it's interesting too that Jerry Snodgrass cannot sit behind a desk and say, okay, here's how we're going to do eligibility in the fall, because the way we're driven, our members would not want me to arbitrarily make those decisions. Our member schools have to make them, so we actually have a referendum in front of them that it will be decided on by May fifteenth that will give us, me, us, this association, the opportunity to adjust our regulations, but solely based upon things that the uh, virus and this crisis have created or affected. So, you know, I can't really say what our eligibility requirements are. I know what we're thinking of, and we've been thinking of. But the same goes with summer regulations. You know, I don't like this, but July, especially for fall sports, is so often called preseason. You know, our rules allow it. So, but it's also a critical part of training going into the fall. Well, there's two sides of this now. One side of it is, what if things don't come back in August when we start? So we have to put that on the table and look at options. The other side of that is we have to look at what if facilities are shut down in May, or excuse me, in June and July. So, you know, we're, we're a balancing act there, but at least we're looking at those. And one of the consistent messages that we've gotten from our schools, and I do not mean this as any kind of a knock on any of the non-school sports. They're important. I get that. But also my job is to oversee the school sports. So, you know, our schools and our coaches, they want time with their kids. They already get some in the summer, but they want more if we open up. And that's the big key, if they open up. So, you know, we are looking at adjusting our summer regulations, and I've informed the board of that. The other part about that going forward, Mike, and I've been very reluctant to talk about it externally, but we have to deal with the financial issues of this. Um, no matter what anybody says, we have financial issues. Um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before, but, you know, with the loss of our revenues and basketball or the winter tournaments and also the spring tournaments now 80 percent 
plus of our revenues from ticket sales. A lot of people don't realize that. And I think people think that we're just, we can do whatever we want. And we're money gobblers and everything else. We're not. We have a business to run and to put on those events. Um, I, I, was, I was trying to think, and I can't remember what, what I was looking at all of our numbers and you know, just how much it costs to put on uh, a tournament. Um, track and field in the spring at, uh, that's been at Jesse Owens Field, uh, stadium. I mean, packed, packed stadium. We actually lose money. We actually lose money on that. Um, so because of all the workers that we pay, the rental of the facility, the police that direct traffic. Um, I mean, and what we give back to schools. Um, we're going to have to look at all those things and included even what we do internally here in the office. So, I mean, that's the other part of that going forward is we have to look at how can we continue to maintain what we're doing and I think that's important. How do we do it, you know, with the loss of revenues? You were pretty transparent with the uh, remaining sports tournaments. You said it was up to 1.5 million loss. Yeah. Is there an estimate for the spring sports? I, I, not 100%, but I think it takes it up in the 2 million range, you know, I think is a total losses. And I think I mentioned before, you know, then on top of that, you have the liabilities. I sure wish I would have taken pictures of this. But people would have been stunned at the number of program boxes that we had from wrestling, from girls basketball, and I'm talking just separately. They couldn't even be stored in the same place that we never got to sell. But we did have to pay the printing cost of those. And uh, so, I mean, we have a lot of liabilities out there. Trophies, I know people say, well, can't you reuse the trophies? Uh, not if they're stamped with a date on them. And uh, it's kind of like a Note to self, and a lot of states have realized that. We've had a lot of discussions that next time you make trophies, you might not want to put the dates on them or the make it so it's flexible. I want to go back to the referendum item that you mentioned uh, just a second ago about eligibility. I know it's still in the discussion stages, but I've had some people ask me, is the OHSA going to base that on the fourth quarter? Or obviously remote learning is the majority of that, or third quarter, or... Do you know, is it going to be one of those situations that, that member schools will be voting on? or Most likely not. Um, the, the, that's one of the things that came out in our board meeting today, and I do know this from school administrators that are on our board of directors. The grading systems that are used across the state right now in our 800-plus schools, I'm telling you, they vary. No two are alike. No tour. I heard one school, nobody on our board, one school, they're going to continue with letter grades, but no one can get below uh, a C. Um, others are using the pass-fail. We've always offered a pass-fail option. So that isn't as tough. Um, some have already closed their doors. They already closed their doors because they didn't have access to remote learning. Um, so we have to look at that broad base of things. So one of the other things that's on the table, certainly, um, you know, is ollie, ollie, all in free, you know, I mean, I mean, everybody's eligible. I mean, so those are options. I mean, we're not ready to do that yet. And we couldn't really until uh, that referendum passed, because right now, the way our bylaws stand is that we would have to stick with our current of requiring five credit courses to be passed. But also, it's interesting, the state of Ohio legislatively mandated a GPA be used. Now, a GPA has to be used for student eligibility from their school. It's actually not part of our regulations. Now, if you're using pass-fail, you can't use a GPA anyhow. I don't think that legislative action 
is probably number one on our legislators plate right now. So, I mean, that's just one of those things I'll take, you know, do it and ask later. They can't, they can't use the GPA. So all those factors figure into this. Um, Mentioned, I guess, in your memo on, on Monday to the schools about uh, you're relying on the, uh, the advisory, the OHSA advisory for sports medicine um, and kind of getting some ideas with that and, and just, you know, what needs to be sanitized and cleaned and all those, you know, situations. Right. I mean, how much have you gotten into that discussion and um, especially with a team sport such as like football for the fall? Right. Um, and that's a very good question. It was interesting. Somebody on social media and I don't I really hopefully they didn't mean anything bad by it, but they even asked me, they said, well, how many strength and conditioning people do you have on that? That's a valid question. And I'm not trying to uh, plead stupidity here when I say this, but right now that's in the hands of our sports medicine advisory chair here, Dr. Deborah Moore. And uh, I'd have to do a little bit of digging right now to even see, I can't remember who all is on the committee. I've only you know been in this role for a year and a half and they meet, they meet, but they make recommendations and it's a good group. So, but I just know everything that's been on their plate right now, everything from, you know, this summer, again, we're talking about a what if here, what if kids can't get into the doctor for physicals? And our physicals currently expire in 13 months. So people have reached out and would you consider waiving physicals? Would you consider just an expense? No, we can't. I mean, nobody wants to take that risk on. So we're trying to find out ways we can recommend and give guidance uh, to do it differently. But my point is with that sport medicine advisory, if they're looking at everything from, you know, sanitizing artificial surfaces to uh, training methods to, uh, what's what's really required for acclimation periods leading into the fall. So I'm glad we have that group in place. I just haven't really, it's on their plate and I haven't gotten reports from them yet. You mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, you didn't want rules and regulations to box your office right. in. And, and that was so key to what you, you've you been emphasizing to everybody. Um, do, you, do you get a sense that maybe the 2020, 21 rules and regulations will be much different? I mean, is it, is it possible to, to just drastically change things? I mean, give me a sense of how that yeah, will go. Great point. Great point. I, I, drastically, no, because I think one of the greatest things that we have is keeping law and order with our schools. You, you know, this brings out something that I have said for years that, you know, every year we get people complain about certain rules here and there and everywhere. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody will say, you guys just need to throw all your rules out the door and let it be whatever they want. You know what? The second that happens, that's how organizations are created. They are created out of chaos. You know, they want order. So we're, I think our staff has done a very good job of looking at how do we maintain order, but also listen to what our kids, what our schools need, want, uh, and what our coaches need and want. So there's a delicate balance there. Um, but I think we're doing a good job of it. I think, you know, do I think things could change significantly? Yes, but the significant changes, everything from eligibility to whatever, uh, would probably, hopefully, only be short term. You know what I mean? I'm hoping we can get back to some kind of normalcy. But Mike, I have to stress this too. Um, who would not in their right mind, think right now that the face of sports could change drastically until there's a vaccine. I mean, again, that goes all these what ifs, but I mean, 
we could have sports for a long time with no fans permitted. I, I don't know. Well, we really have to think that. But then I think on the other side of things, too, the one thing that we do have that's good, despite the naysayers, is that we do have safety. We have a sport medicine advisory group. We have principals and superintendents in charge of schools to help with those decisions. We have that law and order as that's our basis. And many groups out there don't. Many don't. Um, you know, some of these Saturday basketball tournaments, and they're not all that way. I, I would be remiss if I thought they were. But I think it begs that there should be, from, from a safety and parent standpoint, I'd be reluctant to let my child play if I knew there were no guidelines or oversight of those guidelines. And I know how hard it is for some of those people to do that when there's no oversight. Uh, Stadium did a survey with um, college football um, athletic directors around FBS. 99% of them said that they'll believe there's going to be a college football season this year. 75% of those respondents said that they think there'll be some sort of delay. I realize high school sports is not college sports, separate entity. But what is your gut feeling on the high school football season? Well, you, 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 you said it right. You know, you're right. That's college. We're high school. And I think personally, I think the money factor is a bigger deal. I think the, the model that they have in place, I mean, just think about it. I mean, think about a coach that gets um, let go at a university. Um, I'll say this for all coaches in Ohio, uh, high school coaches, coaches let go from university and generally gets paid for a while. Um, exactly. By the way, viewers, coaches in Ohio and high school, if they get let go, they have no severance package. Right. So their model's different, which makes fans in the stands and all that other stuff, you know, from sweet owners and things like that, a little different. But I will tell you, it would have a ripple effect on us. I mean, if, and I, I do know that a lot of universities, a lot of leagues, and I can't speak for the ones in Ohio, I just know from other states, that they're already looking at a one-month delay at the start of the season. And we're looking at the same thing. I mean, our, I can, I'm not saying we're doing it. I want to preface it. That. I got you. But why would we not, you know, where our staff today is looking at dates. Uh, Bob Goldring in our office, you know, put together a nice chart of starting everything a month late, what it would look like. And I'm sure it will get torn up, shredded, redone, thrown away, redone by our sport administrators. That's what they're doing right now. But again, I think that's part of the going forward. But I think that's also part of the ripple effect from the collegiate level. Is there a possibility that the season, obviously everything is possible. Everything's on the table, I realize. And I know this is a hypothetical, but I've gotten a lot of people asking me any chance that the season could be extended, such as the state finals date, all that sort of thing. Well, you know, I mean, I've heard everything, again, suggestion-wise, and some from internal people, that every single season be extended by the month or by X number of weeks, you know, whatever it might be. And yes, that's possible. It's a little bit more problematic. Now, if we could get people to build domes, you know, I mean, you know, you look at it, let's say a game is being played at UC, I'm just using an example, but you know, in January, it could snow. Even in Cincinnati, it could snow. Uh, still snowing, by the way, in Northwest Ohio, just to let yes, you know. Yes, but uh, it could snow in there. And I mean, the expense of cleaning those fields off, they have the capability. I'm not saying it's not expensive, but they have the capability. 
we don't have that in high school and we don't have a dome to play in. So that is a little problematic in some ways. Not impossible, though. So, you know, extending the season. We've also gotten feedback and I'm certainly I, I hear it. I read it. You know, the possibility of switching seasons, put football in the spring, put, well, wait a minute, though, put what in the fall, eliminate it. You know what I mean? So, but, but to say those aren't looked at, they're looked at. And before I throw them in the wastebasket, and I don't do that before I hit the delete button, or even we have a lot of those, we have smart people here. Um, we at least vet them. We really go through them. And so what, some of them we laugh at, you know, like, oh yeah, that'd really work, you know, but at the same time, when it's all said and done, we have a productive day of talking about them. What do you think, Stan, with the state football finals venue? Uh, right now, it's very interesting that uh, <laughs> we've been having meetings scheduled in Canton, but because they really need to be face-to-face, we've had to cancel every single one of them. So we're really in limbo right now. Um, I'm hopeful we will go. You know, and I know it upsets people when I say that, but that goes back to that same thing, too, that, you know, I, I would think about anybody other than a stadium that's not being used for, you know, like the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium right now would be very reluctant to give us any dates. You know, I mean, sure they would. I mean, so that's not the sole reason, but our intention at the end of last year, based upon who else was seriously interested, is that uh, we would probably go back there. I just wish we could uh, just uh, offer questions about the shot clock. <laughs> you know, that's funny too, but, you know, we were talking about all these different rule changes and kind of in some of our people, I mean, but, but that's, this, this crisis is bringing a lot of that out of what do you put on the back burner? What needs to go forward? Uh, we even talked about that with our referendum voting that I was talking about. I forget how many different referendum proposals we have. We have a proposal up, Mike. I'll tell you this. We have a proposal up that will, you know, right now we restrict out-of-state travel um, to you can go to a non-bordering state one time, but you can't miss any school. And I have felt for a long time, and, and that's the slow process sometimes, but I felt for a long time that we should let schools make that decision. And we have a proposal up that would allow uh, schools to go out one time to a non-bordering state, but re- re- whether they miss school or not, that's up to the school. Um, but I'm saying that, uh, you know, from the standpoint of voting for that, that's done by our schools. We went ahead and went forward. May 1st, we opened up balloting because we do it online anyhow. And quite frankly, we may get a better response because, you know, administrators, it's principals that vote, but, you know, probably, I'm not saying they have more time, but they have probably have more inter- uninterrupted time that they can do that ballot. And I think we'll get some good feedback. We, had a, we did a survey the other day, Mike, uh, as part of our communication to the schools. Uh, we did a survey Friday um, asking them just certain questions about would they expect uh, the our no contact period to be extended to June 1st if the shutdown period and all that were extended. And it was like, I think 93% said yes, and most of the other ones said undecided. So, but my point is that, you know, we're getting good feedback, and I think, you know, voting for the referendums, we decided to go forward with some of those things and go ahead and do them anyhow. Talked about this just personally, just wrapping this uh, up uh, a little bit. I know it's been... Um obviously taking a toll on you just from a personal standpoint. I mean, you've been driving, you know, from Finley and back to Columbus and that sort of thing. And just, um, 
in the three weeks that maybe we've talked, I mean, what else have you learned just about leadership, just about your team within that office and about people that you rely on and people that rely on you from a day-to-day basis? Boy, what a great question. You know, first of all, you're saying it's taken its toll. That's because I look 20 years older than I did three weeks ago when we talked. Uh, but, uh, you know, what I have really, really learned is that you, you have to make decisions. I mean, I've always made decisions. I've always made tough decisions. But you have to make decisions based upon the best knowledge you have. And I think as important as anything that you communicate with your stakeholders. So I may have told you this before, but something that always resonates with me. And I go back to 9-11 for those people that can remember, that they can remember where they were. And I will never forget the Secretary of Defense was Donald Rumsfeld. And in the hours or day after when all the chaos, who did this, you know, what was going on? And I remember Donald Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld pointing to the camera when he was asked by one of the major news networks, you know, there's a rumor out there that such and such and such and such. And I remember Donald Rumsfeld pointing to the camera and he said, let me tell you about rumors. We will not address, this administration will not address a single rumor because the second that we do for any rumor that we don't address, that gives credence to that being something that's true. And I've always remembered that because rumors abound in crises. And uh, I've always held that close. That's why I've really been careful with my communications. Um, you can probably tell sometimes I write my own. <laughs> uh, my grandma needs collect, uh, corrected. But, uh, but the point is that I don't want to address rumors and I try very hard not to. I, I've been very clear about that. I'll give facts when we have. So, you know, de- not dealing with rumors, being consistent in communication and also making decisions based upon the collective information you have, the data you have, not just on your emotions. If I made them on emotions, uh, we'd, we'd have a lot of teams right now, about 10 and 0, you know, but I mean, I, I, I would know better, but they have to be done with scientific evidence. Jerry, you're always uh, generous with your time. I really appreciate the insight and uh, perspective and uh, best of luck to you and hope uh, your week uh, gets better here. Well, Mike, if, if you don't mind me adding this real quick, and you certainly can cut it out, but you're one of the people, just like we are, we've created this great thing of high school athletics. Without you, our people would not be pleading to get back on fields and courts and everything else. They really wouldn't. You've done so much of that. I like to think our organization, we're not all bad. We're not all bad. And I'm proud of that. I'm prouder, proud as ever that our kids want to be with their coaches and vice versa, just like kids want to be in the classroom and teachers want them there. That is the greatest thing that's going to rise out of that. And I'm challenging every person I talk to because I know it's your livelihood too. We need to bring it back together stronger than ever. And I know we will. It's not just our livelihood. It's we created it. Why would we let that fade? Whenever that time is, we'll do it. So I want to thank you for that. And, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't. Definitely. Appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And obviously, I'll continue to follow all the developments regarding the OHSA fall sports season. As you can tell, a lot of uncertainty still as we uh, all grapple here with the coronavirus outbreak and its impact. Moving along to the Ohio High School boys basketball offseason, the biggest move this week was Princeton hiring head coach Brian Wyatt to lead the boys basketball program. All right, now I'm pleased to be joined by new Princeton boys basketball coach, Brian Wyatt. 
Brian was uh, approved by the uh, Board of Education on Monday night as the Vikings' new coach, and uh, he'd spent the past 12 seasons at Hughes High School, uh, leading the Big Red to being one of the most consistent teams around the city in the past handful of years, and uh, 20 or more wins in four consecutive seasons there at Hughes. But uh, Brian, congratulations on the position, and uh, what are your first thoughts about uh, taking over the Vikings? Uh, just uh, blessed, uh, just extremely uh, excited about the opportunity. I think uh, Currenton is a, a great school district and, um, you know, unbelievable tradition, uh, not just in basketball, but but in a lot of their athletic programs. So just really excited to, to get started and, you know, as soon as we're allowed to, I guess. Well, take me through uh, what really attracted you to this opportunity and maybe a little bit about the interview process and uh what they like most about you and what you think uh, you're going to bring to the table right away for this program. Yeah, it was kind of odd. Um, you know, we had played our, our sectional games there. So, you know, there was kind of a, it, it was a, you know, we were just there playing, but it, it was just, there were a lot of people bumping into me and, and it was, uh, you know, Funny how things work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, you know, talking to a lot of different people and people were saying stuff to me and, you know, I never really wanted to entertain anything else, but um, Joe Roberts gave our athletic director a call and, you know, our athletic director, Andrew Mueller, sat down with me and just had a conversation with me. And then it just kind of, you know, being a man of faith just led into a lot of prayer and a lot of consulting with my uh, closest mentors. And, you know, as time grew um, over the last 30 days, it, it just started to feel more right to me, uh, the more people that we talked to, um, you know, and then, you know, in terms of the interview process, you know, I just... I just felt like the vision that they, um, you know, wanted for their program was aligned a lot with what 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 I stand for, what what our uh, coaching staff stands for. So, you know, it, it came down to the last couple of days, and you know, I was kind of back and forth. I really, you know, didn't know which way I was going, but I kind of felt a peace. Um, you know, Joe had called me, you know, on like a Friday, and and I just kind of had a peace about things, and, and then you know, we just decided to make that move. Well, before we get into a little bit more about Princeton, uh, your time at Hughes, 12 seasons there, as I mentioned, uh, past four seasons, at least 20 wins or more in each of those uh, seasons for the Big Red and Division II district runner up this past year. Uh, tell me what you're most proud of, of of your time there with Hughes. Well, I think first and foremost, just thankful for the opportunity. You know, they took a chance on me when I was 20. Uh, four years old, getting ready to be 25 years old and, you know, just believing in me. And we, we had some rough uh, years early on. So, you know, just thankful for that. But, you know, the program was in disarray. It was it was in really, really bad shape. And, you know, and I know it's been documented before about, you know, we, we didn't have shoes or travel bags or or anything. You know, we didn't have a food program. We didn't have any academic support. Um, to start in terms of, you know, what we're accustomed to now. But, you know, just uh, I, I think I'm proud of the players that that bought into the the vision. I'm thankful for the staff and the administration, Kathy Wright, uh, Jolinda Miller, and, and now Andrew Miller for really believing in, in what we were trying to accomplish. Um, but, you know, we were just able to, to build it up. And, and, you know, I think the thing we're most proud of is the academics. We were able to um, send – I think it was 25 out of 32 since 2016 to college um, uh, of the seniors who graduated. And, you know, we had a maybe 12 or 13 that got full ride athletic scholarships. But, you know, there were 
uh, you know, 13 or 14 who did it academically. So, you know, those are the things we're most proud of. And um, that, that the program is in a great place right now. You know, whoever decides to take over there is, is in a really good spot, you know, financially and, you know, with talent and, and a lot of different things. So, you know, it just feel good that we left it in a great spot. How did you uh, tell the news to your players? I know you've been very close to them. Um, you know, tell me about the relationships you built and uh, really helping a lot of those players in a lot of different ways, not only in basketball, but just off the court as well. So um, what, what was that like? Yeah, that, that was the, uh, that was probably one of the worst days of my life, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it was like two or three days and my wife was like, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And I, I was, and palms were sweating and I was, couldn't sleep. And um, it, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, there were, there was a lot of people that, that um, were, were caught off guard and um, shocked by the whole thing. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I was grateful though. There were a lot of uh, uh, alumni and, and past players that were, you know, like coach, this is a great opportunity for you. We feel like, you know, you deserve this, you earn this. And, um, you know, so it, it was bittersweet, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, having to have those conversations, but also like letting them know that it's okay. Like you guys are in a great spot. You guys are going to continue to be successful. And, you know, I still expect them to, to do great things, whether it's me or somebody else leading them. Well, Princeton AD Joe Roberts told me, he said, this is a new era in uh, Princeton basketball. And I wrote that in the story today on WCPO.com. And, uh, you know, Vikings 17 wins a season ago, district semifinalist. Um, obviously, you're succeeding interim head coach Steve Green there. But uh, what do you what do you uh, think of the program? How do you kind of uh, evaluate it at this point? I know, obviously, you've just taken over the position. But uh, what are your first thoughts on uh, maybe what this program uh, needs going forward? Well, I think the biggest thing is just the uh, support. You know, I've been uh, contacted by a lot of parents, a lot of alumni. Um, so I, I just think the support piece is there in, in terms of being successful. Um, you know, obviously there, there's some great players there. You know, Bowen Hardman is, is returning. Uh, Greg Johnson is returning. Um, Rodney Harris. I mean, they, they, they have a, a ton of guys there to, uh, that, that, that got some great varsity experience last year. Um, you know, guys that, you know, 17 wins is a, is a really good season. You know what I mean? So there, there, there's a lot to work with there and, you know, just, you know, we're, we're just excited to get in there and, and, and teach our system and, and teach those guys what we do to be successful. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a great opportunity. They have a ton of resources there. So, you know, we feel like there's an ability to grow and expand and, and kind of, you know, I'm a big visionary person and hopefully take it to the next level. Great. Um, and, and as I've asked coaches probably a hundred times here the past four weeks, I mean, what, uh, what's kind of the strategy to be able to connect with, you know, families and, and just, just getting this program uh, going here from a virtual standpoint, because uh, obviously a lot of questions remain about summer after the spring sports season was canceled. Yeah, I think, you know, like everybody's adapting right now. I think, you know, Zoom and Google Meet are, are really changing the way we, we interact with people. So, um, you know, last night I was able to, to, to get on Google Meet and, and talk with a lot of the players. Um, you know, I was able to have conversation with several of the parents already. Um, and, you know, going forward, we're going to have our um, staff interact with, with several of the players today. So, um, you know, I just think that, you know, instead of uh, maybe complaining about the situation, we're trying to make the most of it right now and, you know, use this time to build relationships 
chips, check on their academics, um, you know, check to make sure everything's good at home. And, you know, if they need any support for us, that, that, that we can get the ball rolling with that. So, you know, I, I just think we're really going to utilize this time to build relationships and, and start implementing those uh, beginning stages of our culture. Great. Uh, Princeton boys basketball coach Brian Wyatt, always appreciate your time. Great to catch up with you and uh, congratulations again. All right. We appreciate you having us. Well, again, a lot of great insight from Princeton boys basketball coach Brian Wyatt on how he's connecting with his players and the families of the program during this coronavirus outbreak and also for the time that he's most proud of during his 12 seasons at Hughes High School. want to thank Brian and also OHSA Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass for his time and perspective. We'll continue to follow all the developments regarding Ohio high school sports. Be sure to check out WCPO.com early next week as I dive into all the issues revolving the upcoming fall sports seasons. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next week.